This is Africa as we know it, episode 8. I'm Gerald, here to recap interesting stories from Africa that I came across this past week. So I'm usually here with Abe. Um, he can't make it again this week. He's uh, working on some projects. And I believe he's going to be incognito for a while because uh, he's he's really doing some high-level stuff right now, well, which is fine. Um, he will join us from time to time. And when he does, it will just be like normal. We'll, you know, we will take you through events, you know, that we find fascinating um, from the African continent. Um, but till he returns, it's uh, it's me, and I have you know quite a bit to talk about this week. Um, so I came across stories um, relating to the Horn of Africa, um, some from West Africa, um, Ghana, Niger. Gambia, and also have an article from Kenya that um, I think we should also um, talk about this week. But I'm going to start with the Horn of Africa. And the situation in uh, the Horn of Africa, it relates to the ongoing crisis that's currently taking place um, in, the, in the Gulf. And this crisis is among Gulf countries in the in the Middle East, so on. Uh, so I'll give a little background on what this uh, crisis is all about. So on the fifth of June, it's about a month ago. Um, Egypt, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and other con- countries in the in the Gulf they broke ties with Qatar. So. Qatar has been accused of maintaining close ties to some Islamist groups and also for being too cozy with Iran. And as most of you may be aware, Iran and Saudi Arabia do not get get along. And this is mostly in part because of the the form of Islam that they they practice. So the Saudis are mostly Sunnis and Iran is uh, Shia. So, Qatar, again, like I said, has been accused of, of not ad- adhering to the Saudi way of doing things. Saudis are the, Saudi Arabia is the powerhouse um, in, the, in the Gulf region. And it expects... Qatar, which is one of its neighbors, to, for the most part, pay attention to what the Saudis say and, and to be a good member of, of the Gulf Corporation that they have. You know, but instead, Saudi Arabia believes that you know, Qatar is, um, is maintaining too close ties you know, with Iran. So these countries they presented Qatar with a list of 13 demands um, which they expect Qatar to comply with. And this includes ending of all support to terrorist groups and also the shutdown of Al Jazeera um, television station. So that that was also interesting, you know, the shutdown of Al Jazeera because um, there's this sense among the Gulf nations that Al Jazeera promotes um, some type of propaganda which is contrary to 
the goals and aspirations of the nations in in the Gulf region. You know, they believe that it's again too cozy with Islamist groups and uh and is harsh on uh, its reporting is harsh on on uh, Saudi Arabia and other countries in the Gulf. You know, so there's there's many issues um that have led to this ongoing crisis. But now the question is how does this affect um the Horn of Africa? So I'm going to get that get to that in a second. So the Horn of Africa, right, comprises Ethiopia, Eritrea, Djibouti, and Somalia. And in that region, Ethiopia is the powerhouse. They have the economic power, um also the military power. It's the big, you know, the big big power in uh the Horn of Africa region. And then you have, you know, the smaller countries. You have Djibouti and Eritrea. Now, these two countries, they've had border disputes um in the past, and troops from Qatar have been stationed at the border between Djibouti and Eritrea to keep the pe- the peace. But when this diplomatic row occurred between the Gulf countries and Qatar, Djibouti sided with the Saudis and Qatar has since withdrawn its troops from the border region. And now it's looking like fighting has reignited between Djibouti and Eritrea. So my observations on this is uh it's interesting to see how events that take place or that originate in another part of the world, in this case in the Middle East, have ripple effects and has security implications in another. And this is a big big concern for Ethiopia because as I mentioned, as the main powerhouse in the region, any type of conflict or escalation impacts impacts Ethiopia. You know, they are already um extended because they are the main force in Somalia right now. Um trying to fight in Al-Shabaab and stabilize the Somalian government. You know, and they definitely do not want another crisis opening up. Um in this case between Djibouti and and Eritrea. You know, so it is my hope that this situation can be resolved. Um I know the um Kuwait is taking a lead in uh negotiations. They're trying to uh they're trying to resolve, you know, the crisis between Qatar and and the other um Gulf countries. So hopefully, you know, uh you know, a durable solution, you know, can be can be attained, you know, so that this crisis can can stop and hopefully the troops from Qatar can return, you know, to the border area um between Djibouti and uh Eritrea to maintain the peace that has been existence I think since 2008 you know so so that's a big deal you know I it again I think for me it's also interesting like I don't I never realized you know that the Qataris were such an a significant factor in the peace that exists between um Djibouti and Eritrea so I think we learn something every 
we learn something new every day you know so uh um but again very interesting like nothing is an isolated um situation uh one issue somewhere has a great um impact elsewhere and that is also um what i noticed the same thing i noticed um with uh, my next story um from gambia so this one has to do with you know a group of students in gambia you know they were they are robotics students and there's a robotics competition taking place in the united states that this group of students wanted to attend but when they went to get their visa um they were denied they were actually denied visas on two visas on two occasions and the reason as to why they were denied was never given it wasn't very clear but a lot of people suspect that it's because Zam- um Gambia is a majority muslim country but even that doesn't make any sense because it's not one of the countries that fall on the list um that you know that the, the US government list of countries you know that um people are given extra scrutiny you know G- Gambia doesn't pose any significant threat um to the United States you know so it didn't make sense for these students you know to be denied visas visas and uh but the good news is that they the, the students went again to the embassy last week and they were granted visas so they're going to have an opportunity to participate in the competition you know but this again goes along with what i mentioned before is the implications of um of, of uh certain things that that take place in one country and have an impact you know somewhere else you know and i believe these students got caught up in in the paranoia that exists um about about muslims in general you know muslims coming to the united states and unfortunately this negative narrative has been promoted it has grown and i think it's reached a point where um all you got to all you have to do is mention your name and if it sounds a little bit um foreign or somewhere from the middle east or from a muslim country you know then all this increased scrutiny is placed on you you know for you know sometimes for 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 no reason at all you know and i believe these students um got caught up you know in that wave of paranoia and i think that's going to be the challenge you know for for officials at embassies and um within within the the government's um security you know sector is trying to ensure that your concern and your fears and your paranoia doesn't um doesn't lead to a situation where people are are, are randomly discriminated against you know for for one reason or the other and um this should have been a common sense situation these are students um they actually have proof of something they've built they they built a robot that is meant to clean contaminated rivers you know and uh they actually have the robot you guys at the embassy could have seen it you could have asked for more information but just to deny deny visas blindly 
you know for you know for these students to me it's unfortunate i'm glad that they got their their visas sorted out and that they can come to the united states i believe the competition is going to be in washington dc you know so i'm glad that these students uh, uh are going to be able to come but again things don't happen in a in a vacuum anymore you know one thing in one part of the world has ripple effects everywhere everywhere and these are things that you know when policy is being thought up and written up um there has to be there has to be thought placed on all kinds of potential scenarios and unfortunately this has not been done to the best um uh with this latest travel ban and all of that you know because a lot a lot of people are getting caught up you know that don't need to to be affected by this by this situation you know so i will be paying attention to these kids from gambia and uh, hopefully they do well um in the in the tournament when they come here um um i believe it's this month so i I'll, I'll, i'll keep you all you know posted on the developments but i'm glad you know that they they got their visas but people in power should realize you know that things have implications there's ripple effects so uh use your power wisely you know because your policies affect millions of people all over the world and that's just the nature of the way the world is this, you know these days we can't escape it we're all connected we're all connected one way or the other we're all connected so very 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 important so i will get off my you know my uh my soapbox <laughs> and move on to the you know to the next uh next story which is uh an amazingly positive development and this has to do with the fact that Ghana launched its first satellite into space um this past week and first of all i didn't even know that Ghana was working on some sort of satellite slash space um type program you know so it's one of those stories that just hit you out of left field you don't expect them you don't expect it and then when it happens you just feel nothing but but pride not just because i'm from Ghana but also it's a pride for the african continent because really really what it re- revealed to me is the fact that there's innovation taking place in in uh in african countries that we're not hearing about but things are things are going on things are going on and the fact that this satellite was developed by students from a local Ghanaian university you know to me that's just amazing it gives me so much hope in the future you know and this action of actually launching the satellite you know i used to teach you know in uh when i lived in california i was a teacher and one one lesson that i got you know from my time there is when a student realizes that they have achieved something the confidence that they have you know to move on to the next stage becomes greater and that's what these students are going to experience you know in life what i've learned over the years is just one sac- success one success that you have gives you the confidence to believe that you can 
you can move on and create more more success. You know, that's just the way it is. I think the, the, the mind is trained or is built in, in that way. You know, you experience a positive reaction to something that you've worked on. Then you feel that deep inside, you can do more. Deep inside, you can do more. You can move on to the next stage. You know, because I feel success breeds success. You know, and, and that's, just how, that's just how it is. So more than anything... These students are going to have confidence in themselves, you know, because when you're working on any project, first of all, it's a concept, you know, it's just, first of all, it's an idea. You develop the concept, you put it on paper, then you start figuring out what you're going to do. So after you actually build something and you, you know, you actually implement it. In this case, they built their satellite, was launched into space. It goes there, you receive a signal. They received a signal to show that the thing was actually working. So what's next? They're going to know that they can build the next thing. You know, and that's, all, and I, that's why I feel um, the United States is so, it's so great. Because when you have success upon success and you keep trying things and keep work, things keep working out, you feel that you can create and you can be innovative and you can do more things. And that's what's going to happen. As long as they are not stifled and given the space to be creative, and to go on and produce and create and develop new things, new technologies, they'll be able to do more. So the future for these students are bright. The future for the country is bright. The future for the, um, the continent as a whole is bright. But we need, as a people, as governments, to make sure we provide the funding, we provide the space for creativity. That's what has been lacking for many, many years. You know, I remember being in school back in the day and um, going to the chemistry lab and maybe the chemicals, um, the solutions that we need you know, to do some of the exper- experiments are not there. They've run out for some reason or the other. And we memorize what the reaction will look like. We haven't seen it in the lab. We don't know how it looks like in the lab, you know, but we memorize it on paper. You know, so we know that you mix this and this, you're going to get a soluble solution, da-da-da-da-da, milky, precipitate, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and we memorize it. We haven't seen it, but we memorize it. And to me, that's not the best way to learn. You need to see the experiment, you need to try it out and understand why why it says this is this looks this way or looks that way. So there needs to be a better support system better support system that provides the tools the equipment that people need you know to actually go into the labs and develop things we cannot be memorizing things without knowing how they look like we need to see these these reactions we need to see you know see these experiments and and and, and tinker with them and make and make modifications and do do different things to make make it all come together you know and and if these students not just in Ghana, but across Africa, are given the tools that they need, the things that will come out from that continent um, will be amazing. Abe and I always talked about the untapped potential, you know, in, in the, in the, on the continent, the brain power that exists, you know, you, and unfortunately, all of, for many years, all the talent uh, will, will move to the West. Then you have the brain drain, you know, in, um, in, in, uh, in, in Africa. But meanwhile, we are the ones 
out here in the West, becoming the doctors, the engineers, working in Silicon Valley, doing amazing things, you know, benefiting the United States while the continent is suffering. But really, it's not our faults because back then, the support that you needed to do the things that you wanted to do were not there. You know, so of course you're going to leave. You have people to support. You have families to take care of. You know, but from what's going on at this university, like I said, it gives me so much hope. You know, and I'm very, very proud. You know, of 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 this accomplishment. So I look forward to uh, to what comes next. You know, from these young people in Ghana and across the African continent. So um, let's see. The report says that um, the satellite will be used to monitor Ghana's coastline for mapping for mapping purposes. So that's great. That's great. And before you know it, there will be others, you know, for other applications, you know, to look at the effects of um, deforestation, maybe illegal mining, um, maybe oil discovery, so much more. There's so many uses, you know, of these new technologies that could be applied in Ghana and Africa. So, so this is a great thing. And I'm super excited for, for what the future holds um, in regards to um, for these types of, of developments you know on the african continent so um stay tuned the more to come more to come from africa this is amazing amazing stuff so let's see let me move on to i'm just going to touch briefly on on a story that caught my eye um this had to do with um the the nigerian army killing 40, 14 civilians that um it mis- it mistook they they mistook uh the civilians for Boko Haram fighters. Yeah, yeah. Th- this um, this made me feel bad when I saw this story. Um, so, this occurred on the border region between Niger and um Nigeria. There's res- there's a restricted zone area, and these guys. I think there were fourteen of them. They were farmers. You know, they were going to check on their 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 crops on their farms, and for some reason or the other, they stumbled upon. Um, this restricted zone along the border area um, between Nigeria and Niger, and I believe um, this this particular area has been impacted impacted by a lot of um, Boko Haram um, activity. So, when these civilians stumbled on this area, the army that was patrolling Nigerian army that was patrolling this area mistook them for Boko Haram fighters, opened fire, and um, and killed all of them. So. Um, j- just really unfortunate, sad situation, and I just wondered to myself if there's anything that um, these N- Nigerian Nigerian troops can can do to um, properly identify people that stumble upon um, restricted zones, because it's gonna happen again. These things happen. People have um, farms um, in some of these areas. They, you know, people have wildlife animals that go and graze you know in some of these locations so these things are going to happen you know from time to time but i think rather than just like opening fire immediately when you come across um people i know it's 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 a major concern because you know you never know you know if um these people are strapped with explosives you know as boko haram has done um in the past on previous occasions um so i think the probably the thinking of the military is that you know we don't know they may have um suicide suicide vests on let's open fire and let's not risk um our lives you know but you know at the same time 
you know, there has to be something that can be done that can help identify, you know, some of these, you know, people in these zones before you open fire and kill innocent people. You know, so that's going to be that's a challenge. That's a challenge for the security officials in in these countries affected or impacted by um, terrorist groups like Boko Haram. You know, you just can't have, you know, a shoot to kill mentality um, because that's how civilians get caught up, you know, in situations like this. And again, this is like truly, truly unfortunate. And I hope that, you know, they can work um, on developing some type of um, strategy, you know, to deal with, you know, with with this situation, these types of situations so that they don't, they don't happen um, frequently. So um, let's move on to um, to Kenya, to Kenya, Kenya, Kenya. All right. So um, I saw a report just last night um, of, of an Al Shabaab attack in um, the coastal region of uh, Lamu, Lamu in Kenya, and this attack was was quite different from previous attacks al-shabaab has facilitated um in in kenya so in this attack al-shabaab beheaded nine men um in the village you know and typically when these that when al-shabaab um facilitates attacks in kenya it's usually um they've done like uh explosions or gun attacks you know such as the one in the mall um in nairobi a couple years ago and also the you know the the, when they attacked the university garissa university you know usually it's like gunfire and um roadside explosions you know maybe they'll, they'll 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 target a bus get on the bus you know maybe kill everybody in there but this attack with uh with the beheading it was particularly particularly gruesome you know t- for them to um for do this in Kenya i mean al shabab i mean don't get me wrong they behead people in in uh in somalia you know people that have been accused of being spies or working with the you know the kenyan government um they they've been um they've been you know beheaded um within somalia but i think the w- w- what makes this particularly um gruesome and different is the fact that they did it in a kenyan in in a kenyan kenyan village you know so you know there are concerns that the group has taken up a a bloody new strategy you know like really violent um strategy you know so this is a this is a major concern and um and for those of you that are not too familiar with with like why why is Al Shabaab that is based in Somalia attacking Kenya? Well, this goes back to the fact that you know Kenya sent troops in uh, to Kenya. I'm sorry, Kenya sent troops to Somalia um, in 2011. You know to to fight the Al Shabaab group. You know so and Kenya has been in there since then. You know it's one of the major forces in Somalia together with Ethiopia, you know, they form part of the, I believe it's the African Union uh, mission, you know, to, to, um, 
to defeat or to fight Al Shabab and also to to ensure that the government in in Somalia um, thrives and actually can provide services to its people. So so Kenya is a big time enemy of um, of Al Shabab, you know, and I mean, and just when you look into um, the recent history, the attacks that Al Shabab has has uh, facilitated in Kenya, you know, pretty pretty gruesome, pretty gruesome stuff. You know, they've they've targeted, um, you know, schools like I mentioned. They targeted the university. They targeted malls. Um, they continuously, um, you know, attack um, regions on the border uh, with with between Somalia and and Kenya. And just um, recently, earlier this week, um, Al Shabaab actually killed three police officers. Um, in a village um, close to where this beheading took place, they they killed three police officers. So, you know, Al Shabab is um, is really stepping up um, the heat um, on 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 Kenya, and uh, and to add um, injury, insult to injury, or injury to insult, <laughs> um, Kenya's. Um, security sector they suffered another big blow this past uh weekend um in the death of of um, the country's interior interior minister you know so the interior minister has a very 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 important role um in kenya especially um the fact that we are a month away from kenya's uh general elections you know, so the interior minister, he, he was a general, very, very respected, well-respected general in Kenya. And uh, just um, he died suddenly. He went for a checkup um, yesterday and um, he was admitted to the hospital and then he passed away yesterday morning. You know, so this this um, immediately raised concerns about safety and security um, during the upcoming general elections. And um, this is a major concern because um, the stakes are really high um, in this in this year's election. Um, the, the, there's a lot of tension um, in the country already um, because of the elections and um, uh, the the one of the the key members of the opposition who is vying um, for the for the presidency. This is his third, I believe it's his third try. You know, for for office, and on both previous occasions, you know, there's been a sense among the general population that um, he was cheated out of victory, and his supporters have made have made have made note or made it a point that there's no way he's gonna be denied the presidency um, this time around. You know, and if you recall, in 2000, I believe it was 2007, 2008. Um, after um, Kenya's general election, there was serious violence that a lot of people, like we're talking about thousands of people lost their lives. You know, so so um, election violence is nothing new in Kenya. So there's major concern that it may spring up again. And now with the death of the interior minister, whose job was to ensure um, peace and security, um, his untimely death has thrown... Um, another another issue um, into the you know into the whole the whole problem so um, 
So Kenya, Kenya is another place to, another place to watch with Al Shabaab, with upcoming elections, and how the country is going to respond. You know, because at this, at this, at this uh, point, it may be a little vulnerable. You know, and it may actually encourage additional attacks from you know, election time is another is is, is you know from an Al Shabaab perspective maybe an ideal time, you know, to facilitate more attacks um, in the country. You know, so um, I know the president um, last night appointed an interim um, interior minister, you know, to take. You know, to to at least be in that position so that there's no vacuum, you know, during this critical time, you know. So um, things are happening in Kenya that you know we will be paying attention to, um, and uh, this Al Shabaab issue is a problem, you know, for Kenya. They've been dealing with it, you know, for you know for for some years now, and uh, hopefully, you know, they can begin, you know, to to get a handle on this on the on this situation but it's pretty unfortunate that they they lose this um well respected interior minister who really has been making great efforts to keep this the country safe whether from al shabab or just internal issues i mean he was definitely a very strong a very strong figure so we hope that whoever comes next has that same that same caliber that same respect that same drive you know to be able to to um to uh, keep a handle on, 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 on some of these, these uh, sensitive um, security issues. And like I said, Africa as we know it will be paying attention um, to um, all these different situations um, going on um, in Kenya and across the continent. And um, I've really enjoyed um, this episode. Um, just uh, before I sign off, just a little little story like this morning when preparing for this podcast i remembered um back to the fifth grade <laughs> that's many years ago when i was in the fifth grade and you know our teacher then um he on the weekends he would give us this assignment he would um he told us to review the newspaper so 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 we should read the the weekend newspapers and write down stories that we we found interesting so that when we came back to school on Monday then we could share our stories with the class and i remembered how you know people in class would grumble you know at the assignment they'll be like oh we have this other assignment that we have to do you know but for me i was so excited with you know with 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 that type of assignment and then i would come home and i'll get the paper and i took it so seriously i would write down all these stories and and um come to class with about with about six seven interesting stories that i found just so eager you know to share and then i thought to myself and i'm like ah okay so that's part of where this interest in what i'm doing today comes from you know just being you know so interested in what's going on in the world and getting excited about it to write write it down and 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 come share with my class and now i'm sharing it with all my listeners um of this podcast so you know i guess things that we 
are interested in as kids never really leave us and uh they continue to play a role in our lives you know as you know just as like what i'm doing today with um you know looking at interesting stories and presenting it to to all of you out there so just a little thing that came into my mind this morning that i thought i would just uh you know share with you you know news i've always been interested in the news it's uh it's it's just one of those things you know i just want to know what's going on and now at least i have a chance to share it you know with people out there so um that's my little personal story nugget for the day so i wish you all a wonderful 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 week and uh till we meet again next week this is africa as we know it episode eight is a wrap have a great week